Amen. Well, we're continuing this series on Philippians, uh, the idea that God is writing a letter to us. And you can put your name in there, dear, love God. That much more than just being a historical text, that this is the living Word of God. The Bible changes when you believe it's the living Word of God. The living Word of God means that it would actually speak to us today. It would speak to the deepest, the darkest corners, not of just this world, but the deepest, darkest corners of Dan Bursch. Don't you know I need the living word to speak into the deeper, darker parts of my heart? You know, I'm talking about the deeper parts, the parts that your spouse can't get to, the parts that your your kids can't get to, your grandkids can't get to, your parents can't get to. The parts that the Holy Spirit goes to. Remember, the, the, it says the word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And then where does that sword go? Remember the scripture? It just goes right between the bone and the marrow and all the way deeper, 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 deeper than the little act that you put on, the show you put on for other people, the words that you say to impress others. It goes deeper, 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 deeper. And today, there's a word for us. I just pray that it would cut us, beautifully cut us, beautifully mold us and shape us. And so we're talking from Philippians. And I just would, I would say this as well. If you have your Bibles, try to follow along. If you have a, maybe you have an app or maybe you have a Kindle or a smartphone or something, try to open it up. It's always good, I think, to follow along and try to be engaged. If you have a Bible like with paper too, I think that's an amazing thing to have. Um, as much as those seem to be, um, you know, it becoming extinct. There's just something incredible about that. I have one of the coolest things. Now I have something. I'm. You're all going to be jealous of me. But I have Ray, one of Ray Wright's Bibles. He gave it to me before he passed away. And this thing, I'm telling you, it is marked up and underlined and highlighted. It is the most precious thing to me. And when I open it up, I just, well, of course, I cry, too, because I miss him. But it just comes Alive. So hopefully you're, you're there by now. Philippians is in the Old Testament or New Testament? New Testament. And we got the Gospels. Then we got, you gotta get past Acts. You gotta get past Romans. And then you gotta get to God eats popcorn, right? Galatians, Ephesians, and then Philippians. Popcorn. Philippians. New Testament. Verse 12. We're at chapter 1. Last week we did the first 11 verses. This week I'm covering a bunch. Um, you know, it was a real wrestle with me whether this was going to be a three-year series or an eight-week series, and we decided eight-week series, so we'll move kind of fast. But here we go. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that's happened to me here, everything that's happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Good news, what is that? That's the good news of who? Jesus, yeah. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, know that I am in chains because of Christ. Who's in chains? Who's the guy? Who wrote this? Okay, Paul. So Paul's in chains. Why? Because of who? Jesus. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence, boldly speak God's message without fear. That's awesome. Verse 15, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news, the good news of Jesus. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But listen to this. This is incredible. Verse 18. But that doesn't matter. Whether motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I what? I rejoice. That kills me. Like, are you serious, Paul? Yeah. As long as they're preaching the gospel, I rejoice. And then he says it again. And I will continue 
to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For me, living means living for Christ, and dying it's even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. I really don't know which better. I'm torn between the two. I long to go and be with Christ, which is far better for me, but for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. He is torn. Knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what He is doing through me. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about who? Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are, this is powerful and this is for us today, church, that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. That line alone just blows my mind. I mean, you don't just attend church. You don't just come and say, yeah, I went to a church service. You are a part of a body. Did you see that? It said, we are together with one spirit, one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way, intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God Himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for Him. We are in this struggle together. That's good, right? We're in this struggle together. By the way, did you notice He says struggle? So, that's part of the Christian life. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. An incredible passage. So much in there. Enough to talk about for several years, but today we're going to just stick to verses 20 through 26. 20 through 26. Can we put that on the screen? 20 26? Absolutely. So, let's read this together. Last week you guys did an incredible job reading. Let's try it again. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I am torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. We're in the home stretchers. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so that I can continue to help you all grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what He is doing through me. I love uh, NIV says, For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. The NLT, For to me, living means living for Christ and dying, it's even better. <laughs> First thing I want to highlight is verse 20. Paul trusts that his life brings honor to Christ. As you and I, as we live wholeheartedly for the Lord, and as Christians, just truly think about this. As you live wholeheartedly for the Lord, you can trust that your life brings honor to Christ. Many of us in this room, we need to hear that, don't we? Dear Dan, 
Dear Becca, dear Kathy, your life brings honor to me. Love God. As a Christian, we get this privilege of knowing that our lives bring honor to Christ. Do you ever think about that stuff and think, nah, right? Me? Nah. Right? Like my life could ever bring honor to Christ? It's, it's kind of hard to comprehend. And we'll wrestle with that stuff. But you need to hear that this morning. If you are a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ today, your life brings honor to Christ. It's true. See, as Christians, we're new creations. New creations. Born again. The old is gone. The new has come. Second Corinthians 5.17 tells us that. And then because of this, we get to walk into some new territory. You've got to remember, when you become a Christian, things change. Things are not the same. Things are changed. Old is gone. New has come. That means you're walking into new territory. Everybody say new. New. We've got to get this idea. It's new. Things are not the same. Circumstances might be the same, but you are not the same. Remember, we spent so much time in Galatians 5. There was this battle in Galatians 5 between the flesh and... And the, anyone remember? The battle between the flesh and the spirit. Absolutely. And if we choose, we can choose to crucify the flesh and instead live by the spirit. But it's an active choice that we make. See, we can just try to live the old life, pick up the old ways, try to put the chains of sin back on us. Now, we are new. We are forgiven. We're free. All those things. But we can go back to the old life. I've gone back to the old life before. I've tried to pick up those chains. You ever done that? Where you're picking up the chains of your old life and you just kind of drag them with you? Even though, really, you could just let them go and be free, but you just keep on dragging them with you. Keep on dragging them with you. Like, you have a choice. A choice to live in the freedom that we have in Christ, live by the Spirit, or to choose the flesh, the old ways. When you live by the Spirit, what happens is you actually change. Does anyone here living by the Spirit think that maybe you change a little bit as you live by the Spirit? Right? Just a little bit, right? You, you are changing. And as you change, your life what is it? It's to the glory of God, isn't it? Your life is to the glory of God. And your life begins to bring honor to Christ. So you have a choice. If you don't like change, don't choose to live by the Spirit, by the way. If you're not into change, don't go that way. Because if you live by the Spirit, you're just not going to be the same. What happens is you live by the Spirit. What, who is the Spirit always pointing to if, if some of those theologians in the place? He's always trying to reveal to us. Starts with a J. Jesus. The Holy Spirit is always pointing us to Jesus. So, the more that we have the Holy Spirit within us, we become more like who? Jesus. Absolutely. And so, the character of Christ actually begins to be produced in your life. And you begin to see the fruit of the Spirit produced in your life. Everybody say, fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. We talked about this in our Sun Ripen series. Like any fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, it grows. You've got to get that idea of it growing. And we're given that list of the fruit of the Spirit. It's fruit. Think of it, it's the fruit of the Spirit, meaning it's like the byproduct of the Spirit. It's the end result of the Spirit. Like, this is the reality. This is what happens. The conclusion of letting the Holy Spirit fill you and lead you, this fruit begins to be produced. The byproduct of allowing the Holy Spirit to be in your life. And what is that byproduct of the Holy Spirit being in your life? It's love and it's joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And these things, they just begin to grow in you. And you, can, you know that as a Christian, don't you? As you let the Spirit have your way, have his way in your life, I'm just not the same. And it's not about me. It's just about God in me, Christ in me, the hope of glory, growing within me. And this fruit is being displayed in my life. And it's not because you tried harder, not because you have a bunch of willpower. No, because you've made, it's, instead of this, it's, it's that you have made a conscious choice to choose to let the Holy Spirit have his way in your life. Have you made that choice? When you wake up in the morning, do you step back and say, you know, I choose 
to walk by the Spirit, which means you got to kind of take a step back, right? Because you can choose to live by the flesh. When you choose to live by the flesh, what do you do? You take the reins of your life, and you go, here we go! And you start going, and you start working, and you start sweating, and you start doing all these things, you know? I'm going to choose my way. Or, you let go. You say, okay, God, fill me. Every part of me, even those darker, secret places, all those places. Get in there, living Word of God. Make those cuts, make those incisions. Get in, all the way, top of my head, to the bottom of the soles of my feet. Come on in. Come on in. And what I want you to see is one choice, choosing to live by the Spirit, that brings honor to Christ, doesn't it? But the other choice, does that bring honor to Christ? It doesn't bring honor to Christ. It actually would only lead to death. And so, so we're like, okay, well, let's choose the Spirit. That, we're weighing the two options. That sounds pretty good. So we're choosing to live by the Spirit. We're choosing to live a life that brings honor to Christ. I love the word that you gave, Catherine. It fits just so well with what the Lord was speaking to me this week. And what happens when, when we're like, yeah, you know, that video game is just not lined up with, with who I'm called to be and who God wants me to be and how I should be spending my time. Just whatever it is. The, the Lord kind of works on our hearts and says, hey, I, I don't know about that. And what do you do? The only way you can not do that then is not willpower is going to help because that game is awesome. And the next day, he's just going to do it again. But what he does is he says, Holy Spirit, come. Fill me. Holy Spirit, I need to hear from you. I need you to teach me. The Holy Spirit was teaching him. The Holy Spirit was changing him. The Holy Spirit was saying, hey, I, I want you. I have better for you. I have more for you. And so you have to be available to the Holy Spirit. And you say, help me. Grow in me. Change me. And we're told in 1 Corinthians 6.19 that the bodies, so each one of our bodies as Christians, our bodies are the temple of Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And that's what's great when we make choices that maybe are like, oh, I don't know if I should have done that, I don't know if I should be playing this game. The, the Spirit is actually speaking to us. Why? Because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so He resides within us. But the question I would ask with this idea of Him residing within us is, what is He residing in? Like, is it a house or a home? You know, like, is it just a it's just a temple, like a barren temple without, you know, air conditioning or, you know, carpet? Or, or is it a home? Like, is, is your heart, is your, the cavity of who you are, is it an inviting place for the Holy Spirit to dwell? It's a really good question to ask. Because, I don't know about you, there's times, there's seasons where, man, I, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm a real good place for the Holy Spirit to be hanging out because I got, you know, I got some stuff. The heart, you know, the wickedness. That, uh. But you have to make the choice to say, no, I step back. I surrender. I lay down my flesh. I lay down my will, my desires, my plans, all my things. I say, God, Holy Spirit, come and dwell. And Holy Spirit, may you find a place that is receptive to you. That's why when you pray, you, you have to pray with a softness saying, God, I pray that your word is alive and that it, that it can actually work through the joint and the marrow and dividing through all that stuff and it's sharper than a sword. Because I need you to get into a place where you feel comfortable there. And, it, and it's kind of a struggle. I don't know about you, but that's part of the hardest things about being a Christian is to continue to have the attitude that says, choose Christ, choose Christ, choose Christ, choose Christ, choose Christ. Choose the Spirit, choose the Spirit, choose the Spirit every day. You know, it's not just that first filling. You know, we call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a daily filling that has to happen in each one of us. If you're not daily filled with the Spirit, 
I've lived, have you ever lived that season of your life? I have. Where you don't live daily filled? It's stinky. It's like a swamp without any exit, you know, strategy. It just begins to build gross, you know, pond scum. You, you have to have this opportunity for the Holy Spirit to take residence into us where you're, He's invited and you, you breathe Him in and you breathe Him out and you breathe Him in and you breathe Him out. I just want to encourage you, if there's anyone here this morning that is feeling that way right now, you're like, man, I am just not in that place. If, if I was true to myself right now and honest to my situation, the Holy Spirit, He is not, there's not an inviting place within me. Because it gets really sticky here because as a Christian, I, I keep on hearing Christians say, I, I, I like the Jesus thing, but I don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit. And I'm so confused by that because even if you're not a Pentecostal, we all believe that when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes in you and takes residence in you. You have the seal of the Holy Spirit, a deposit, a guarantee of an inheritance of something still to come. You have the Holy Spirit within you to lead you and to teach you, to guide you, the paraclete, to walk alongside you. That is part of being a Christian. And if you deny that part and say, no, I don't want that, no, I reject that part, no, I don't want to talk about that part, you have cut yourself off from the one who is actually going to help you walk this life. And so in this moment, I actually want to just give us a moment of quiet, we want to wait till tonight. We want to wait till tomorrow. But just a moment before the Lord. Remember Psalm 139 where he says, Search me, O God. Right? Search my heart. Living Word. Be active. Sharper than a double-edged sword. So we're doing okay with time. So let's just go ahead and see that now. Search our hearts, God. We're going to be an inviting place for you. Your spirit will dwell. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. What's great about this moment is it it has nothing to do with what you did yesterday. It has everything to do with where your heart is right now before the Lord. I mean, even if you had the worst week of your life in this moment, you can lay it all down. Say, Holy Spirit, I invite you. I welcome you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now with that attitude, and you can just feel it, the grace and the peace, the atmosphere, the nitrogen and oxygen of being a Christian. It's in this room, and I just thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here and speaking to us. But with that, now we can read this passage from Philippians, and we can allow him to illuminate some things. This is what he was speaking to me this week. Is He says, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will be bold for Christ, as I have been in the past, and I trust my life will bring honor to Christ. And then he says, comma, whether I live or die. Never be ashamed. Be bold for Christ. And my life will bring honor to Christ. Would you say that with me? I will never be ashamed 
I will be bold for Christ. My life will honor Christ. Say it one more time. I will never be ashamed. I will be bold for Christ. And my life will honor Christ. That's what Paul says. And, and, and I, I just think about it in my own life that I will never be ashamed. Right? Never ashamed of Christ. That I will be bold for Him. And that my life will honor Him. Can that be said of you this morning? You don't have to answer it out loud, but just think about it. Can that be said of you? I love this devotional I was re- reading by Darlene Check. She's the worship leader who wrote Shout to the Lord back in the day, if you remember. She's an uh, amazing uh, worship leader, and I love what she writes. She says, because of the fall of Adam and Eve and the natural sinfulness of the human heart that was passed on to all of us, there are those who will oppose God with all their strength. Paul was one of them. So Paul opposed God with all his strength. Uh, what was Paul's name when he opposed God with all his strength? He was named Saul. Okay. And then he was uh, there on his way to persecute believers in Jesus Christ. And then Jesus knocked him off his, off his horse, she writes. Knocked him off his horse, blighted him, and spoke directly to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then I love what she writes. She says, so never, never, never give up on the person in your life who seems most opposed to the gospel. Man, that's a really good word. We're so quick to condemn people and judge people. She said, never give up. Right? Do you remember Saul? I mean, that's a tough one. Because Saul had the list. His zeal, his passion in life was to get that name and that list of Christians and come in there and route, you know, round them up. That was his passion. And yet God got a hold of him. I was thinking about that even in the world today. That you would pray that God would get a hold of some of your worst enemies. Knock them off their horse. Blind them. And that they would be used for God's good. That's hard to pray those prayers, isn't it? But that's a heart check. God. Wow. I love that. Never, never give up on the person whose life seems most opposed to the gospel. She says, now Paul is approaching the end of his journey, the end of his life, the end of his ministry on behalf of the one he formerly persecuted. His hope is that I will never be ashamed, but I'll continue to be bold for Christ. Now, we may have been persecuted for our faith, though we don't know that for, or we may never be persecuted for our faith, though we don't know that for sure. But certainly, if we live for our Lord, we will face opposition. Some will make jokes at our expense in an attempt to embarrass us. We might be excluded, left out of some fellowship and activities to be put in our place. Let's not be discouraged, she writes. Rather, let's consider it a badge of honor. If Jesus and Paul and many heroes of the faith uh, face opposition from sinful men, then we are in good company. In fact, we're in the best company. She says, don't get it discouraged or ashamed. Be bold in sharing the good news and in honoring Christ, whether in life or in death. And she prays, Oh God, give me a boldness of spirit that I may reveal to you, reveal you to the world, no matter what opposition I face. My hope is in you and my identity is found in you. Such a good word. And the reason I love that devotional and why I think it's so powerful is that I think many of us have yet to cross over the line to the side of being unashamed for Christ. Crossing over the line that would, where you're a fool. For Christ. Because there's a line, isn't there? We all know there's a line. And, and instead of crossing that line, we kind of straddle the fence, don't we? Right? We kind of do this Christian thing over here where we go to church and maybe youth group or a life group, do the Christian thing. But then we got this other thing and it would be kind of the not church life. And don't you know that the church life and the not church life, they don't mix, right? They're, they're separate. Like it's kind of, you know, I'll, let me do a pathetic illustration for you. It's just because... That's what I do. <laughs> Alright, so we got these dolls. Pretend these dolls are the same doll. But now we got the church doll, right? And this church doll, if we're playing with a doll, this, this is 
She loves the Lord. This crazy Jesus. My hands go up giving you. Okay. But then she goes home. She changes her clothes. Actually puts clothes on. Thank you very much. And now she is not church baby doll. And not church baby doll. She does all the not church baby doll kind of things that not church baby dolls do. She does her thing. Oh, I love Jesus so much. Jesus is awesome. But then she changes her clothes. And now she's not church baby. Now here's the thing. Christian life isn't church and not church. Christian life is just Jesus. Right? We kind of compartmentalize them. But there's not a church and not church life. That is not the Christian life. The Christian life is Jesus. Jesus is meant to permeate every part of your life, every moment of your day, every breath that you take, whether it's Monday or whether it's Friday, whether it's at church, whether it's at your work, whether it's at a ball game, wherever it is, life is Jesus. And so this whole idea of being ashamed or not ashamed of Jesus, you know, it just... It baffles me because you cannot compartmentalize Jesus. I mean, you can try and you will be miserable trying. Have you ever tried? I've tried, right? You kind of do the church thing and then you kind of do the not church thing. It is a miserable existence. Right? You, you, you can try, you can, you can turn it on, right? And be unashamed of Jesus and, and play the part and act the part and speak the part and then turn it off and, and try to hide them as if you never knew them. You can try that, but you're going to be miserable trying. Right? And where's the misery? It's right in your gut, isn't it? And then it's also keeping you up at two in the morning. It's just, you can't do it. Why can't you do it? Because when Jesus came into your life, everything changed. Jesus came in, everything changed. It, I said, I made you say new earlier. Well, yeah, absolutely. Things are new. In ways that are way beyond what you can ever imagine. Beyond what you even understand in the spiritual realm. The newness that came when you became a Christian. You became, as Jesus uh, tells us in John 3, 3, born again. Created again, a new creature. Your heart of stone came alive. You became adopted into God's family. A partner in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. An ambassador of God representing Christ to the world. You can't turn that on and off. You can try. But you're going to be miserable trying. And yet we do, oh my goodness, we play the little game, you know, but you can't do that. You will be miserable trying to do that. Some of us, we're stuck in this church life, not church life, church life, singing songs to Jesus, praying for each other, not church life, having sex outside of marriage, getting drunk, cheating, stealing, lying, not even thinking about Jesus, church life, smiling, hugging, not church life, despair, depression. It's so far less than the life that God has called you to as a follower of Christ. God has, God has called you to a life where it is all about Jesus. Life is Jesus. Every minute of it, every breath, every minute. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Stop trying to hide him. In fact, I would just say relax. Relax. Don't get so embarrassed. Don't be so afraid of Jesus. Let him out of the box. The minute you do that, the minute you let Jesus out of the box and you kind of relax and say, you know what, I'm a Christian. I'm just tired of hiding it. I just want the world to know that I'm a Christian. I'm telling you, life, you can just breathe. <laughs> and there's no game. You just are. Throw away the dolls. You just are. And you experience this radical freedom. You actually begin to live the life that God has called you to live. And I'm telling you, it's a freedom that only Jesus can give. I love the songs that we sing. Those songs, I mean, they're just hitting it. I'm free. I'm alive. Church. Unashamed and freedom. They go hand in hand. If you want freedom, you got to be unashamed. If you are ashamed of Christ, 
Now, I can't answer that for you. Only you can really think about that. But if you're ashamed of Christ, you'll never be set free. But boy, if you can learn to relax and just let it out that I am a born-again believer of Jesus Christ, freedom will begin to reign in your life. And it makes you want to shout. And it makes you want to dance. It makes you want to worship Him. As I'm speaking, as I'm talking, those of you who have experienced that freedom in Christ, those of you that are unashamed of the gospel of Jesus, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Like, the Spirit within you is just soaring, even now, as I'm speaking. It's just like, just, just, boom, just, it is alive and well within you. Because you know what I'm talking about. You've tasted that freedom. And you love walking in that freedom. And you're unashamed in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It doesn't matter what day it is. It doesn't matter whether I'm sitting here or sitting outside or in Cheetos. It doesn't matter. I'm a Christian. And the freedom of being unashamed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. For those of, that, of you that are walking that way, you know just right now your spirit is soaring. And then I was like, oh, yeah. That's right, Pastor Dan. Hallelujah, Pastor Dan. But there might be some people here today, and, I, and by the way, I don't want everybody doing this, but this is just for that person who really has the Lord speaking to them right now. And don't you know the Holy Spirit's here? He's been here the entire time. He's wanting to work in our lives. And, and He might be speaking to you at a level that, you know, just it's intimate and it's close, but it's also, you can just feel it, that He wants you to take that next step where you've tried to compartmentalize Jesus but you know it's time to step out. Be unashamed for Him. And be set free. Unashamed in freedom. I mean, is there anyone here that would need to let the world know that you're unashamed of Jesus? That you're going to be bold for Him? That your life is going to honor Christ? Again, I don't want everyone to participate in this. Or no one. Or I mean, I'm not going to put numbers on this. But if there's anyone in this room who needs to take that unashamed, bold stand for Jesus... I would just invite you to stand and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Bless you. Bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Precious. Man, you know, in these moments, it's when my heart just starts pounding, you know, and my, my palms get sweaty. Because I, I wrestled so much in my life with this. You know, prom king, basketball star, in the music program, trying to be something... This sarcastic jerk who was really good at making fun of others, putting people down to bring me up. It's just, oh, it was just that wrestle within me. And it was torment. It was miserable. I had compartmentalized Jesus to the point that it hurt. It made me physically sick. But then to say, I am unashamed. I'm laying that all down. I'm going forward. I'm crossing the line. I'm not turning back. I'm unashamed. I'm walking freedom. Amen. That's beautiful. Anybody else? All right, let's move on. Verse 20, And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. 
But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I love this. He's kind of having this torment within him. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I'm convinced I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he's doing through me. So Paul's kind of having this debate, right? This living, dying debate. And it's all about bringing honor to Christ. So he desires to bring honor to Christ. And what he's trying to debate is to live... Or, what's the other one? Die. Alright. Whether I live or die, to bring honor to Christ. For me, living means living for Christ. So you live for Christ. But to die, he says, what? He says to die is even better. So die, even better. Yeah, right, Paul. <laughs> but uh, if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So if I live fruitful work. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. So if he lives, it's better for us or them. I'll say them. But if he dies, it's better for who? <laughs> yeah. Better for me. <laughs> so, knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help you all grow. So he lives to help you grow. And, what does he say? And experience the joy of your faith. Help you grow, experience the joy of your faith. Alright, so we have this chart. How does your life stack up against this chart? I remember when the Gaither Homecoming started doing their thing. Remember the Gaither Homecoming where they would go town to town and there was bunch of old-time country gospel singers, and they would get together and sing all these religious songs, and I loved it. I mean, I ate it up. I was, I was younger back then, but I watched so many of those because I loved the music, I loved the songs, I loved the harmonies, and I just watched that thing all the time. But I remember someone really close to me saying, you know, they're singing all those songs about heaven and how they can't wait to get to heaven. He goes, but don't... <laughs> he goes, they don't want to go to heaven. <laughs> yeah, I mean, someday... But not anytime soon. And so then, of course, I'm arguing. You're like, what are you talking about? Of course they want to go. He goes, no. He says, you can tell by the clothes they wear, the cars they drive, the way they live their lifestyle. They like it here. (laughs) They love it here. They don't want to die. And, of course, I argued with them. I'm stubborn. I love to fight. You know, so whatever. But the person was bringing up a good point. We do really like it here. And sometimes we love our life so much and we love this world so much that it distracts us from what God is actually calling us to do. We all have to wrestle with that. That's a harsh word, but it's true. Jesus confronts this in Mark 8, 35. He says, For whoever wishes to save his life is going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will 
will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? It's hard to let go of the things of the world. Even when we believe Jesus is telling us to do it. Some of us know this comes from the fact that if we're honest, we don't really trust Jesus. We know that he told the thief on the cross that today you're going to be with me in paradise. But we're not absolutely sure or convinced that heaven is going to be a paradise that is better than this life. You've got to come to grips with some of that. If we really thought going to heaven would be better, we wouldn't mind so much about going. <laughs> but we mind a lot. It feels like sometimes those around me, their main mission in life is just not to die. Right? Don't die. Don't die. Don't die. Everything you do, just, just don't die. Everything. All your mission, your purpose, just don't die. So their main purpose and mission isn't fully living for God, living the life that God has called them to live, the radical, unbelievable, impossible life that God has called them to live. Instead, it's just don't die. Just don't die. Right? Be defensive all the time. Never on the offensive. Always just playing it safe. And when you're playing it safe, I'm telling you, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't think playing it safe ever satisfies the deepest yearning of your heart. When we, when we have our eternal destiny in mind, when we have eternity written on our hearts, knowing that it is to live as Christ, but to die as gain, the choices we make in life, they will look much, much, much different than when you're just living for this world. I mean, can you imagine what your life would look like if you weren't just trying so hard not to die? But if you truly started living life to the full, where you radically said to live is Christ, to die is gain. Yeah, living is awesome, but dying is even better. Can you actually comprehend you actually thinking that way? Can you fully say dying actually is better because I would be with Christ? When you can let go of that death grip that you have on this life and stop trying to play it safe and control everything, it actually brings more freedom into this life right now on this earth than you could ever imagine. Freedom. But it only happens once you come to a place where you're not afraid to die. Not afraid to die. But to be not afraid to die, you have to have the end game settled, don't you? Believing that when you die, it's only going to get better. Then only then can you start living with a boldness and a passion and a zeal that Christ deserves. See, we've got to understand, this is really important, they, whoever they might be, they cannot take your life away from you. And whoever they is in your life. You need to come to a place as a Christian. They cannot take your life away from you. Because see, once you're truly living in an eternal perspective, that right now I am walking in eternity. Right now is the eternal now. I am walking. For every day that I am walking, it is eternity. I am walking. Even if I leave this earth, I am walking in my eternal life. And, and it's actually better for my gain. When you live that way, then people can't touch that. Right? Your enemies can't touch that. The people that hate you more than anything ever, they can't touch that, can they? Sickness can't touch that. Sickness can't take that away from you. No, ever. Even if the sickness kills you, you can't take it away. It's for my good. It's for my gain. And you know what? Satan himself can't touch that. Satan, you lost the grip that you had on death. Jesus took that away from you. Do you believe that? That they can't touch what you got. You got life. You got that life everlasting, eternal life. And no one's going to take that away from you. See, without Christ, you can be scared of death. In fact, you probably should be scared of death. But in Christ, Jesus loves you so much, He took away your fears. He even took away your fear of death. 
This is what Hebrews says. Since the children are made of flesh and blood, it's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by his death. By embracing death, Jesus, who loves you so much, took it upon himself. He destroyed the devil's hold on death, and he freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. You see that? We were cowering. We were scared to death of death. Oh, oh, death. Oh, death. Oh, death. But Jesus came in and he said, I took away that fear. Death. Devil. No longer. Took away the sting. He's coming back saying forever and ever. Death. You've been defeated. And the point I want to drive home today is that when you no longer have that fear of death, you truly believe that heaven is your home and that it's better because it's with Jesus, the one who conquered death. Church, you can start to live like the Apostle Paul lived in Philippians where he's saying, I got joy. I got thankfulness. I got meaning. I got passion. I got a zeal for you, church. And he had all of this. Where did he write this letter from? Prison. But Paul, he had a freedom. He had a joy, a zeal. And the circumstances of his life didn't take that away from him. He had a freedom. Even if you are in earthly chains, every moment that you have left on your life can be a blessing to others. Have you noticed how Paul, it, it, come on, think about this. Paul is able to bless others even though he is in chains, even though he is in house arrest. He is able to be a blessing to others. Anyone else want to be a blessing to others? Look at what he says. Verse 25. Look at this. He says he was able to help others grow in the Lord and experience the joy of their faith. He was able to help people grow in the Lord and experience the joy of their faith. Don't you think maybe that's one of the reasons God hasn't taken you back up to heaven yet? That he's not done with you yet? If it was just about you, by the way, when you accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you'd be like, beam me up, Scotty. Right? It's done. Eternal life. But there's things that he's called you to do. Don't you think he might want to have you be an encourager to love those around you? To be a blessing to those around you? To help them grow? To help them experience the joy of being a Christ follower? Have you ever been a part, by the way, of being, uh, been a part of discipling another person? Or maybe they're struggling in their faith? And you encourage them through, through prayer or scripture or text or email? And you see how they can regain the joy of their faith? Isn't that just one of the greatest feelings in the world? Come on, right? I mean, wow! To play a part in God's love just being poured out on another human being. Come on! What joy! I mean, I, I can't wait for heaven personally. I'm so excited to meet with Jesus. But while I'm still here, I've got stuff to do. More than anything, it's to tell the world about Jesus. Tell them that He loves them. Tell them that He's prepared a place for them. Tell them that you don't have to be afraid of death or dying. You don't have to be afraid. He loves you so much. And that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you can live eternally with Him. What joy, what life to live as Christ, but to die as gain. Or the ALT, for me living, means living for Christ. The church dying is even better. And the struggle for many of us this morning is you just can't get there. This whole conversation is just too radical. It's just too intense. And to that, I just say this, what kind of Christian life have you been living? If it's the church, not church life, where you're still just trying to compartmentalize your faith in Jesus Christ, living for Him, but still holding on to the things of this world, you're going to feel it in your gut. You will never be satisfied. Or this morning, are you ready to take the plunge? <laughs> Are you ready to take the leap of faith that truly surrenders to Jesus Christ? 
I trust you. I'm, I'm anxious. I'm nervous. I'm worried. I, I don't even know all the answers. But Jesus, I'm going to lay it all down. I'm just going to say, I trust you. I surrender. And I wholly trust in you, Jesus. And say, I'm all in for you, Jesus. Is anyone here just where you just know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm coming back. For I'm going to trust you. I'm, I'm, I want you to take away that fear of death, that fear of dying, the fear of, uh, of popularity and the fear of, you know, not of being rejected and those types of things. I just, Unashamed, crossing that line. Because I'd say this, God would write this to you this morning. Lay it all down, and I will give you abundant, joy-filled, eternal life. Love God. (laughs) Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you're so good. Even as I was walking through this passage, I was just like, you are so good. And Lord, as we look at the life of the Apostle Paul, Lord, I just pray that we would be able to follow in his footsteps. That we would be people, Lord, seal it within our hearts, that we would be people that would truly just proclaim to the world that Jesus has come to save the world. That we would be quick and unashamed to say, Jesus Christ has come and he loves you and he died for you and he wants to forgive you and give you eternal life. That we would be quick to spread the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world. Help us, Lord. Seal that in our hearts, Lord. And for us, Lord, as we struggle with the idea of life and death and eternity, Lord, let it just be settled, Lord, that we no longer have to be afraid of dying. We no longer have to have a fear of death. Jesus, you have conquered death. You have given us life. Lord, speak that to us today, Lord. Speak that to our hearts, Lord, today. That we can trust in you. That we can lay it all down and trust in you. If there's anyone, as we continue to pray, if there's anyone who's never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you you know the battle that's within you. You know the fears that you have about life and existence. And you've never wholly surrendered to God. Never wholly put your trust in Jesus as the Savior who would forgive you of your sins, but also as your Lord, whom you would follow the rest of the days of your life. If you've never done that, but you want to do that today, I want to pray for you. And if, if that's you, I just want to be able to pray with you. So if you could raise your hands as high as you can so I can see you. Just, the lost be found. It's pretty cool. Everything becomes new. In bigger ways than you could ever imagine. And for the rest of us, man, this has been gripping me this week, church. And... and is there anyone here that just I'm just church my heart breaks for so many around me that are still stuck in so much bondage and chains oh I don't I a thousand words all I want Lord is that chains would be broken in the mighty name of Jesus Lord I love these people so much, Lord. And I pray that by the power of God right now, the resurrection power, you would break chains. And if anyone needs those chains broken, you need to be able to just walk in a life of boldness, being unashamed, where you could live a life that honors Christ. If you just want to just supernaturally 
just say yes to that again today and allow the Holy Spirit to do His work in you, would you raise your hand? And I, I want to pray for you. Amen. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. Yes. 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 Come on. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Lord, I just pray for every hand that was raised that you would just begin to fill them, Lord. This isn't a like a d- democratic vote thing or just like a special nonprofit service. This is a meeting with the supernatural God who created the universe. And when we raise our hands to you, Jesus, saying, Come, Holy Spirit, and move in my life, you always say yes to that, Lord. You always come running to that, Lord. When we turn to you, Jesus, you come running. And I pray right now, Lord, for every hand that was raised, you would fill them up. Just full, just Filled up, Lord, full to the full, to the brim, overflowing, filled with you, Lord, that there would even be a joy as they're being filled with your spirit, Lord. There would be a joy rising up with them, just the idea of soaring on wings of eagles, Lord, that there would be a breath, that they'd be able to breathe, the cavities of their chest would begin to open up, Lord, that they have a quick to their step, they'd have a hop to their step, Lord, that there'd be an energy that comes from you, Jesus, that'd be excited for you, Jesus, that they'd walk across that line and look back at that line and say, I'm never going back, I'm never going back to the line, I'm never going to be ashamed again of you, Jesus Christ. I'm never going to settle for less than what you have for me, Jesus Christ. I'm never going to be on the fence. I'm not going to be lukewarm. I'm going to be hot for you, Jesus. I'm going to be as raging coals within my gut, Lord. Your spirit is going to be as raging coals within my gut. And when your spirit fans the flame, when your spirit brings on your wind, those coals will turn into ignition, into a flame, into a fire that this world cannot put out. Satan himself could not put out. And I pray that over every hand, Lord, that come alive in you, Jesus Christ. 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 Alive in you, Jesus. Where they were dead, they are alive in you, Jesus. Where they chose the things of the flesh, they are alive in you, Jesus. Alive in your spirit. Alive, 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 alive. There's joy in this place, Lord. The joy of the Lord be my strength. The joy of the Lord be my strength. Lift up your heads. Salvation is near. Lift up your heads. Salvation has come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand with us? We're going to sing this song. This song is going to have a truth like never before. Four.